Hey, it's Kirsten. Do you feel like you're spending way too much money on supplements? When I started out on my health journey, I was also shocked about how expensive high quality supplements were, especially as I was upping how many I was taking. That's why when I became a practitioner back in 2018, I started offering my clients a way to save up to 25% off many of their supplements through a company called Wellevate, which is spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-E. Through Wellevate, you can order many of the supplements that you're already taking, like Pure Encapsulations, Gaia Herbs, Enzymetica, and others at discounts of up to 25% off retail. And shipping is free for orders over $49 within the United States. The only way to buy supplements through Wellevate is through a practitioner, and I will earn a small commission at no additional cost to you while you're saving money. So if you want to start saving upwards of 25% off your supplement bill, go to the resources page on my website at carefullyhealing.com forward slash resources and go to the Wellevate section. You don't have to be a client, just set up your account and start saving. I'm Kirsten Ramstrom, a certified holistic health coach, and welcome to the Quest for Healing podcast. Whether you're just starting out on your health journey or you're farther down your path, I've created this podcast to inspire and inform your health journey through first, some extraordinary healing stories from real people, second, an exploration of some intriguing healing modalities, and third, through conversations with enterprising people who are making a difference in the health of our world. Question for you, how much fruit do you eat in a day? How much of a role does it play in your health journey? I know for me, I consume way more fruit than I did before I started following medical medium more than six years ago. Starting off with the lemon water I drink first thing in the morning to the bananas and the mangoes that I put in my smoothies and the apples in the homemade applesauce, which is one of my favorites when I'm doing a 369 cleanse. Fruit is absolutely critical for my way of eating. And if you're here, I'm guessing that's true for you as well. As you're enjoying all that fruit, have you ever thought about growing it yourself? Medical medium has said that the more we are in physical contact with our food, the more it tailors itself to providing us the nutrition that we need from it the most. Plus, even the act of picking fruit is a very grounding experience as demonstrated by his fruit picking meditation podcast. This all leads me to this week's guest, Susan Poisner from orchardpeople.com. She's an ISA certified arborist with more than 15 years under her gardening gloves, and she also loves teaching others about growing fruit trees through her award-winning online fruit tree care training program. Susan is extremely passionate about fruit trees and all of the wonderful benefits that they bring to our lives, and not only just from the fruit they bear. She enjoys a strong spiritual connection with the fruit trees, which made her the perfect person to bring on the show to talk about how you can grow your own fruit trees, both easily and quickly. Take a minute to think about what might be your favorite fruit to grow. Do you know if it'll grow where you live? What are its needs for soil and light? What kind of nourishment and water would it need? Or how do you keep pests or disease away from it in the cleanest and least harmful way? While this might seem like it could turn into a big research project, it doesn't have to. Susan is here to get you started, and she has a new book that comes out today called Grow Fruit Trees Fast. That's a quick read, and it also helps you avoid the mistakes that could hurt your chances of getting a lot of amazing fruit from your trees. And she focuses on fast because if you make some simple mistakes up front, it can take much longer to get a good yield on your trees, much longer than it needs to. And stay tuned until the end when we talk about how you can get your copy of Grow Fruit Trees Fast for free. So with no further ado, let's go right to the episode. Susan, it is so wonderful to have you on the podcast today. I know you are just the perfect person for us to come on and talk about fruit trees. Thank you very much for having me. I'm so happy to be here with you. Wonderful. So why don't you take us back a little bit and tell us how your life progressed that you focus now on fruit trees? You know, Kirsten, if you had met me 15 years ago, maybe, um, maybe 20 years ago, 
I had never touched the soil. I had never planted a tomato plant. (laughs) I wasn't that into nature, but things happened in my life. Uh, It seemed like the universe was sort of guiding me to become more in touch with this beautiful planet of ours. So um, in 2005, I met my husband, Cliff, and Cliff is originally from Trinidad. And Trinidad is a place where you eat a piece of fruit, you throw the seed aside, and a tree just grows. <laughs> like nature is everywhere. They all have gardens. They all understand that. So when Cliff and I um, got married, moved in together, and we had this house, and Cliff said, you know, there's the backyard. I'd like to plant some veggie plants. And I said, listen, I am not interested in touching the soil. I don't want to get involved. And my fear is, that you're going to plant a whole bunch of stuff and I'm going to be the one that has to take care of it. No, 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 absolutely not. So what happened was he said, look, I'll only do a little small square in the garden. It'll be like just a few tomato plants. So I said, okay, fine. And I go out, I come back like a few hours later, he's planted up the entire backyard (laughs) with loads of tomato plants, with loads of whatever. I was so mad. I'm like, this is going to be a mess. Anyways, that summer was just an incredible revelation for me because at first I was all grumpy about it, but then I watched the magic of how things grow. And I love food. I love healthy food. And when I tasted my first tomato from a plant that we grew and I understood how different it was from any other kind of fruit that you can get from the supermarket. So I'm just watching how little seeds can grow into these big plants and nourish us. It was incredible. So my husband, Cliff, changed my life in many, many, many ways. And that was a big one. Over time, I became more and more fascinated with gardening. There was a neighbor nearby who had a gorgeous garden. I kept asking her questions. She probably was wanting to shoo me off, but I just kept asking her questions and then finally, I decided I was, I had been a journalist and a filmmaker. I did all sorts of stuff, but I wanted to enroll in a, a landscape design course uh, with a local university. So I enrolled, took these amazing courses, opened my eyes. But what I found was this, trees fascinate me. What was it about the trees that fascinated you? I don't know. These are beings. These are incredible beings that I used to walk by and look at as if they were street furniture. And all of a sudden, I saw them as beings. They are there shading us, keeping us cool and safe. They are beautifying our environment. They are cleaning our air, these big, beautiful things. And for me, I love pea plants and tomato plants, but I don't want to cuddle them, right? Like, I think they're great. (laughs) Um, But trees can live for 25, 50, 100 years or much, much more. And I so I really became in tuned with these beings. I started to learn what how they look different and different leaves. That started my journey that eventually took me to fruit trees. Fantastic. I love that. I think there's so many of us these days where you know, gardening just isn't the hobby it used to be or the necessity that it used to be. And I think, especially with a lot more people moving into urban areas over time, there's just much less opportunity for us to grow our own food. And there are so many benefits to being able to grow our own food, not the least of which, based on what you were saying, are there is nothing like a fresh tomato grown in your own garden. And while you were telling that story, I was just thinking about the garden that we had in our backyard. My dad always grew lots of tomatoes. Even just standing in the garden before you picked them, you can smell those tomatoes and it is a smell like no other. Yeah. And I love what you're saying about, you know, people move to the cities. Uh, These days, houses are built bigger and bigger and gardens are smaller and smaller. Or people live in condos and they don't have access to gardens. So here in Toronto, and I know all over the world, people are increasingly um, joining community gardens. And so one of the things that I got involved with is I wanted to launch a community orchard. 
I wanted everybody to have an opportunity to work and grow, work with and grow fruit trees. At the time, I was quite naive about fruit trees. I only learned later that there was actually work involved. Um, but I think that's so important. And nature gives us so much wellness, as well as the, the food these trees give us. But a community orchard gives us one more thing. It gives us community. And it sounds crazy, but we all live in our homes, in our four walls. We drive in our cars. We're separate from everyone all the time. And we don't even know how to share. We don't even know how to share, like sharing public space in a bus or sharing the fruit in our orchard. So fruit trees educate me all the time. They teach me. And this uh, orchard that I created in our local park has brought together a community who now care for each other and work together and have common goals. And that also enhances our health. We are not alone. I love that. It's so important, especially now. It's 2022 right now. And what we've all been through over the last couple of years has made that isolation even more remarkable. And so I love that you're doing this work. So why don't we dig in a little bit? When I think of trees, I think of, well, at least the ones that are around here, you plant them and they grow and that's sort of all you have to do to them. When you're growing fruit trees, is it just as easy as that? I wish it was. Um, (laughs) It doesn't have to be terribly hard but it does involve some work. So when I originally started to teach people about fruit trees, I came in like many others thinking a tree takes care of itself. All you have to do is plant it and water it and then just wait for the harvest. You know, okay, maybe in a year I'll get a harvest, right? And it's not as simple as that. So here's the the sort of slogan I was trying to put out into the world. Fruit trees need hands-on care. One sentence. One sentence is all I wanted to teach people at first because there was a lot of resistance or just not not knowing and knowingness about fruit trees. So, Kirsten, here's the difference. A fruit tree is not like a native tree. Native trees are grown from seed and they often grow in the forest. Naturally, they don't really need our help. Fruit trees are made up of two different trees. They're like Franken trees. Okay. The top part of the tree determines the type of fruit it's going to be. So if you want to grow an Anna apple or a Macintosh apple, you take a clipping from that tree, let's say the Macintosh tree, and then you get compatible root stock. You get roots from another tree and you graft them together. It happens naturally. So you make one cut in the root in the scion, which is the top part of the tree. And this is just a branch at this point and an equivalent cut in the rootstock and you fuse them together. You sort of tape them together with a special tape and they will grow together into one tree. And why do you need to do that instead of just growing from seed? So if I were to take, for instance, I have my Macintosh apple and I take a seed from the Macintosh apple and I plant it. In fact, let's say it has 10 seeds and I plant all 10 seeds and and wait a long time to grow each of those seeds into a tree. Each tree will have a totally different type of fruit. It's kind of like two human beings, you know, they have children The children's are not clones or identical to either of the parents. They're a mix of the DNA. And it's the same thing with fruit trees. So every single apple seed will produce a different type of fruit. And 99% of the time, that fruit will be rock hard, or it won't taste good, or it'll be bitter. You know, to actually with apples in particular, to get a tasty marketable apple is probably one in a million. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah. Okay. So that's why when somebody discovers like the Macintosh apple, which was discovered here in Ontario, you know, a man found a seedling tree that somebody ate an apple through the seed somewhere. This tree grew 
He went and he said, I'll try the apple. It looks okay. He took a bite and like, oh my God, this is good. And it was totally random provided by nature. Wow. It could have just as easily or more easily been a yicky fruit that's good for maybe cider making because you don't really taste it because it's going to be fermented and whatever, or it could be good for animal feed because animals aren't, don't have preferences of crispy, tasty, sweet apples. So that's why we use grafted trees. That's why a grafted tree is an important way to start. Okay, fantastic. So we're not starting from seed. We're not starting from seed. And so back to your question, what type of care do these trees need? Well, they need a little bit more care because again, they are not a natural, rugged, tough tree. They can be rugged, but they need a good start. They need hands-on care. They for sure need to be watered correctly. They for sure need to be fed every single year, right? You can't just leave them out in nature. They can't pick up if they're hungry and say, oh, I've eaten up all the nutrition in this soil. I think I'll walk over there to get some nutrition from somebody else's soil. Like they can't do that. They're, they're locked into the ground. And um, so they need to be fed annually. And there are some other responsibilities that will help to improve the quality of the fruit and the health of the tree. So where we're just trying to scratch the surface here, what are some of the things that people should think about before even choosing the kind of apple tree they want to grow or whatever the fruit tree is? My head is stuck on apples, but I love your question because that thoughtfulness is so beautiful because you're taking the time. Let's say it's like you're adopting a baby and you want to make sure you get the right baby for your particular location, right? So you could with a fruit tree, maybe not with a baby, you could go to your big box store and you could say, Hey, I love honey crisp apples. They're the best. I'm going to buy a honey crisp apple tree and I'm going to put it in my backyard. The problem with doing it that way, if that's all about you, that's what you want. But what does that honey crisp apple tree want? Where will it thrive? If you live in a warm climate, it's probably not going to thrive in a warm climate. Every fruit tree has you know, variety has its preferences. Some grow well in warmer climates, some grow well in cooler climates. So I would suggest people do a little research in advance. And at some point, we'll talk about the book that I'm launching soon, which really helps people go through that little maze to choose the right, the right fruit tree. So you want a tree that is going to be well suited for your unique climate, for your conditions and for your needs whether it's an apple tree or a peach tree or an apricot or a cherry tree, you want to make sure that it's not going to grow too big for your yard because some people buy a little tree and they think it's going to be great. And then it's three stories high and shade the whole garden. You know, there's many different things to think about. Mm -hmm. I'm also just thinking of a a three-story high tree. It would be awfully hard to get the fruit off of that. (laughs) Oh, yes. Well, my neighbors did it. So my neighbors, a few doors down, planted a cherry tree, a cute little cherry tree, because they love cherries and she loves making cherry pie. And they did what most people do. They go to the big box store, the garden center, they buy the cherry tree, they plant it. They never prune it. Uh, They probably didn't feed it either. Um, Grows and grows and grows. And now they get a little bit of fruit from the lower branches and pretty much the rest is wasted. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what you want to be doing is thinking carefully, you can get cherry trees that don't grow to be huge. That is a possibility if you do your research. And if you prune that tree correctly and at the right time of year, you can keep it compact, right? So these are all the things that we think about in advance. And I think what happens is most people think, oh, they turn off just about now and they think too much work. I'll grow a zucchini plant or I'll just buy from the supermarket. So what I say to people is it's like a jigsaw puzzle. You just need to spend a little time, even an hour or two to look at the pieces of the puzzle to put them together. But it will be worth it because when you plant a tree, you will have that tree not only for years to come, if you choose the right tree, it can be for generations, right? They keep on giving. (laughs) They're beautiful. Give them a good start and they keep on giving. Beautiful. And it's one of the things I do love about your new book, because as you're saying, 
You need some planning. It doesn't have to turn into an epic research project, but your book only takes about an hour to read and it goes through a lot of the basics. So I love that. Yeah. So if you're not buying a seedling from the big box store, where do you buy fruit trees? Okay. So the big box store, they'll also uh, carry grafted trees. So they will carry grafted. Seedlings are usually native trees that grow from seed. But where would you buy a tree where you get more selection? Because the big box store, they know that most people are going to go and walk in and say, I want a honey crisp apple, please. A honey crisp apple tree. Because they don't, they don't think in advance, gee, will it grow well in my backyard? So there is something called specialist fruit tree nurseries. And they are all over the place. And they will ship you a tree by, they ship out the trees in the spring or in the fall. And they have huge selections, a huge selection of trees. So what I usually do is in the fall, I usually order trees for spring delivery because sometimes the good trees that are easier to grow, that don't have as many problems with disease, they sell out quickly. So I'll order in the fall to get that delivered for planting in the spring. And like I said, there's loads of specialist fruit tree nurseries around On my website at orchardpeople.com, there is a fruit tree nursery resource list that people can find. So I'll give you the link if that's uh, of use. Absolutely. And I'll put that in the show notes. That's wonderful. So once you get the tree, say you've just gotten your fruit trees, it's March right now, and you're ready to plant them. Can you talk a little bit about what we do next? I assume most of it is we dig a hole and we put it in the ground, but what else should we be thinking of? Yeah. So when you get a tree from a specialist for a tree nursery, it's probably not going to be a potted tree. So you may look and think, oh, this doesn't have any soil around its roots. It's going to have like maybe wet paper or mulch around the roots. So that's a, it's not hard to plant them. Um, You just need to unwrap the, the tree roots, maybe soak just the roots in a bucket of water for half an hour to help hydrate them. Now, the reason that they can ship this tree bare root is it's dormant. It's actually, the buds are tightly closed. There's no leaves, there's no blossom, certainly no fruit, but it will only stay dormant for a short period of time. So I don't know if you remember the show, Beat the Clock. That was a big show. When I was growing up, there's a show, Beat the Clock. You had to do something fast. I have no idea. Answer questions fast. I can't even remember. But it's like beat the clock. You get the tree, you have to plant it pretty darn quickly. Um, You do not want to leave that bare root tree in the sun. Otherwise, the buds will open up. It'll get stressed because it has no soil on its roots and it could die. So you get your tree, you unwrap it, you dig your hole and you plant it as soon as possible. You stretch out its little roots as far as they can go in that big hole that you've made and you backfill it and water it in. And so tell me about watering a little bit. In an earlier episode of the podcast, I had Maria Faella on and we were talking about windowsill gardens. And I remember her saying, basil is a great teacher for watering. And I will say that is absolutely true because I have fiddled with my basil plants to try to get the watering right. And it takes a while to figure out what do we need to know about watering fruit trees? Because generally I think, well, it rains outside that should cover it. Right. Again, I love your question, Kirsten, because it's all about paying attention to your tree. So let's say you have a baby, you bring it home from the hospital, you gave birth to this baby. Here's the little baby in your arms. You think, oh, what do I do with this thing now? (laughs) Right. And it's the same thing. What do you do? You pay attention because your soil and my soil are going to be very different. Some soils hold water really well. So if you find yourself watering your tree and the water just soaks right in and just goes and it goes in no time it just disappears and then you put your finger in the soil to see is this wet no it's still dry i need to water some more you're paying attention you're looking to see how the tree reacts in some soils they're very heavy clay so the the clay soils you have to water very slowly let the water go in like you would with a house plant wait a little bit then water a bit more so quite a lot of water Here's the thing about fruit trees. They need to be irrigated, but they need to dry out 
between irrigation sessions. So those, they say that fruit trees don't like wet feet. So don't stick them in a swamp. Don't water them every single day if, you know, because then they never get to dry out. So again, it's developing this sensitivity. So I read this article recently that was in an arborist magazine, and it was about meditation. And it was encouraging arborists to explore meditation and mindfulness. And the woman writing the article, she said, you know, mindfulness is important, especially if you're in a career like arboriculture, where you're climbing trees, it's very dangerous. You don't want to be having a freak out and thinking about your shopping list while you're up in the tree and hanging off of ropes and using a chainsaw, right? So she says, arborists really need these skills. How she practices is by watering her houseplants mindfully, focusing on nothing but the houseplants, not doing the shopping list, (laughs) not thinking about what she's going to do next, not thinking, oh, I only have five minutes, here's some water, right? So it's the same thing with your fruit tree. As you are mindful with your fruit tree, over time, you will get to know what its needs are. And over time, you'll realize different soil types need different types of watering. Okay. And so analyzing what your soil is could be helpful ahead of time. Definitely. It is very helpful. I think my book also has a little bit on soil and how you look at your soil and how to decide what your soil will be able to support in terms of fruit trees. Fantastic. And one of the things I liked in the book, and this is such a good example of it, is you have links to other resources within the book. So sometimes it's worksheets, but in this case, sometimes it's websites and other resources that it's not necessarily in the book, but it tells you exactly where you can go to find out more information. So that's great. I think that was important because what I wanted to do with my book, Grow Fruit Trees Fast, was to give people the essentials. If they want to go into rabbit holes, I'll provide those rabbit holes. I got lots of them. But here, this is the minimum you need to do to keep your fruit trees healthy and productive. And all you need is one hour to read it. That's a commitment. An hour is a you know a long time, but it's not a super long time. You don't have a huge tome to go through, right? So that's why I wanted to provide those resources, because if you're intrigued and you think, oh, I'd like to learn more about different types of mulches and how that would help my fruit tree boom, you just click on the link and you go. Perfect. So one of the other things that I want to talk about is feeding our fruit trees. And this is something that's very near and dear to all of our hearts because we get concerned in our community when we start putting things on food that we're growing that seems artificial. So can you talk a little bit about the way that you recommend to feed these trees, because I know you look at everything on a much more holistic and organic way than a lot of people do. So here's how I look at feeding your tree. What you'll find is when people don't know They will go to a store like a garden center and they'll say, I have a fruit tree. What do I feed it? And they'll look on the shelves and there'll be shelves filled with things called fruit tree fertilizer. Somebody in some lab and some test plot somewhere has decided that this is what your fruit tree needs. The thing is, your fruit tree's needs are dependent on your soil and your conditions. So the nutrients that the tree takes up are in the soil. If you have a beautifully rich, nutrient-rich soil, you may not have to add a lot of nutrients. If you have a soil that's very low in one key nutrient, you need to add that nutrient and not lots of other ones. So I find that these fruit tree fertilizers are a trap and they're not a good idea. Now, many of them are synthetic, so they're not organic. I wouldn't use those anyways. But even the organic ones, if you add too much of any nutrient to your soil, you can damage your soil. So let's take those off the table. I'm not going to tell you to buy a fruit tree and then put some fertilizer on that you're going to find at the garden center. Here's what I will tell you. Pretty much any soil will benefit from compost. If you can make it yourself, that's great. If you need to buy it, that's great too. Compost is beautiful food for a fruit tree. And what I do 
is I give my fruit trees, I spread out two inches of compost around the root system and sort of like a donut shape. You do not want the compost to touch the trunk of the tree because any compost or mulch that touches the trunk of your tree can rot the tree and can be a place where little insect boring insects come and they start going into your tree. So never, never put any compost or mulch up against the trunk of the tree. So you're doing this beautiful circle of two inches of compost, stretch it out to the edge of the canopy. So hopefully there's no grass there. If there is, you can gently remove the grass. Now that compost provides so much. There is microbes in the compost. So we all know that we like our uh, good friendly bacteria in our bodies. Those microbes work in the soil to release the nutrients in the soil. So you've got a whole bunch of microbe guys and gals. Okay. You're introducing them into your soil. The compost also has really good nutrition, natural nutrition, Uh, that will go into the soil and the microbes in the soil will again release that nutrition to the tree. It's like a perfect package. So the minimum you want to do every year is in the springtime, you will feed your fruit trees by laying out mulch. And why the spring? So why the springtime? That's what people say. Why the springtime? That's when the trees are working really hard. They have to push out leaves. They have to push out blossoms. They are starting to form baby fruit. Those guys are working hard or girls or whatever, and they need that support in the spring. Later in the season, by midsummer, you don't want to feed them at all. You just do it mostly in the early spring. Okay. And you wouldn't do it in the fall because they go dormant in the winter and they're hibernating. That's not the time to That's not the time to feed them. And what can happen is if you do give them food, especially the wrong kind of food in the fall, they think, oh, yummy, yummy. I think I'll grow a little bit more. And that delays dormancy. So if you're in a cold climate like mine and there's a frost, then the tender little branches that have grown as a result of that feeding can break. And broken branches are an entryway for pests and diseases. So You can see from just this conversation that there's things you need to know, but once you know, it's intuitive, there's reasons for everything. So while it seems like a lot, it's just like, no, it's like getting to know your baby. My baby likes this. My baby doesn't like that, you know, which I feel like is so similar to the health journey that so many of us are on because we spend so much time right now, just getting to know our bodies too. And it sounds like the trees are a lot less complicated. Yes. But doesn't it also sound like the trees can teach us about ourselves? You know, absolutely. That mindfulness that we, we start paying attention to them. And then we start thinking, don't I deserve that same love and attention? Sometimes people offer more love and attention to their pets, to their house plants than they would to their own beautiful, beautiful bodies. We're working towards harmony, right? Which means harmony within ourselves, and then it can spread outwards. Absolutely. So beautiful. You touched on the last, what I think of as super hot topic. What do we do about pests? This is always the biggest question for anything when in our community, when we're talking about food, we don't like pesticides because so many pesticides have copper in them and we don't want that copper in our bodies. How can we beneficially take care of pest problems with our fruit trees without having to use copper-laden pesticides? So here's the secret. There have been studies that show, and I can see if I can find a link to send you, that insect pests do not attack healthy trees and plants. They're like bullies. They go for the weak ones. So the stronger we can make our trees, the more love and attention that we can offer those trees and the soil, the stronger the trees will be and more resistant and resilient they will be. There's been studies. This is an entomologist that is being interviewed in this particular, I think it's a webinar and I'll try and find it for you. But that's the secret. So we need to pay attention to our soil. I talk about it in the book. I do a whole course on soil as well. But And we need to pay attention to our trees. If the tree comes first and that tree's health comes first, you will find over the years 
that you will have less and less pest and disease problems. Now, there are other ways to deter. So integrated pest management is the term that they use today. And it sounds really horrible and it's not an appealing name, but it's all about using a variety of tools to protect your trees. Chemicals are just one of five different ways you can protect your trees. Sometimes you use traps with pheromone lures, right? Sometimes you, by choosing a tree that is disease resistant, you can just get rid of a whole load of problems that you would have had if you had bought your Honeycrisp tree that isn't resistant to disease. So by choosing trees, there are certain trees like uh, apple trees called Liberty and Freedom. And those have been developed naturally to be disease resistant. So apple scab and fire blight, nasty things that really slow down your, your process when you're growing fruit trees, they don't suffer from those problems. And those aren't genetically modified, correct? They are not. They are bred just like trees have been bred and selected over hundreds and hundreds, in fact, thousands of years. So breeding starts with the simplest thing, like the story I told you about Macintosh apples. A seedling tree is on your property. It somehow planted itself. It is amazing fruit. You start snipping off branches from that tree. You are propagating it because you like that particular genetics, right? And there's other ways they do it. They take a little bit of pollen from one tree and they put it on another tree and they're mixing. They're thinking, oh, how's this going to work? I'll try some seedlings from that. So it's not genetically modified. Okay. So find trees that are disease resistant to begin with. It makes your life so much easier. Unfortunately, there are not specifically pest resistant fruit trees, but the secret to that is healthy soil and healthy trees. And that's what I've built my career on helping people to get to that point where their trees are healthy and resilient. Mm -hmm. And I know when you started your community garden, and you talked about this a little bit in the book, you had a problem with, I believe it's called fire blight. So we, their fire blight is a nasty one. Fire blight can rip through huge orchards in no time at all. And there are a lot of apple trees and pear trees and Asian pear trees that are vulnerable to fire blight. So when I first planted uh, my orchard, I didn't know there was such a thing as fire blight resistant trees. And to be honest, at the time, I didn't even know what fire blight was. There you go, Right. So in the end, we have most of our trees in the park are fire blight resistant. So it's not a problem, but we do have one little tree that I bought and I ordered and I should have known better and it is not fire blight resistant. So every year we go, we prune off the fire blight to protect that tree, to stop it from spreading around the neighborhood. But again, that's a problem I could have avoided by just not planting that particular cultivar. Is it worth trying to figure out what diseases are common in your area? Yeah. So part of the research that I talk about in the book is talking to other growers. Just go to whether you go to your farmer's market and just talk to them about how they you know, grow the trees, especially if it's organic and what are the cultivars that are easiest to grow. But a really important question is what are the diseases, the fruit tree diseases that are most common in our community? Because while we have fire blight here, if you're in a dry climate, you may not have that problem, but you may have another one. Mm -hmm. So you maybe don't want to go out of your way and get a fire blight resistant tree, but there may be something else like scab or rust or whatever the disease is. I was thinking that here in Florida, one of the things I would love to have, we don't have a lot of space here to do anything, but I was saying to mom, maybe we could get a lemon tree. I use lots mm. of lemons. Maybe we could plant a lemon tree. And she said, they won't let us because there's been a disease problem that's going on with the lemon trees in this area. And so they've made everybody cut them down to get rid of the disease problem. Wow. So, that's so sad. It's so sad, but it's also strong note to self, right? If I ever wanted to do something, find out what that disease is, because I don't know what it is, but yeah. it can make a difference. Yeah. And so for in, in the States, you guys have good support with your local extension services. So you can call the local university, reach out to the extension services. They have master gardeners who will help and other experts and just say, look, I want to plant a fruit tree. I want 
to grow it organically and I want high chances of success. What are the diseases that are circulating? What are the cultivars or the varieties that are most resistant to those diseases? And where is a good place to start? Even just having a five minute conversation can have you so far ahead of the game. And so again, we are in this whole conversation, we're just moving away from that impulse buy of the Honeycrisp apple at the big box store, you know, Walmart has a sale on Honeycrisp apple trees or whatever. We're moving towards a more thoughtful process to choosing fruit trees. Beautiful. And so here's my question for you, Susan, what is your favorite kind of fruit tree? Wow. Oh my gosh. So we grow cherries and I love cherries. Oh my gosh. I love cherries. We grow Asian pears and man, they're so good. I would never buy an Asian pear in the supermarket just because I wouldn't really think about it. But when I taste an Asian pear off my tree, it's like so sweet and so fantastic. It's like, why doesn't everybody get them? I think the reason I don't buy them in the supermarket is I always think that they're imported from far away. So I love Asian pears. I love apricots and I love peaches, though we can't grow them in our orchard. But I think my favorite is apples. And apples are a little bit trickier to grow than other trees. Interestingly, here in Ontario, like apples are vulnerable to something like 36 different pests. Wow. It's it'll be different everywhere, but you know, and then for pests, there's like maybe 20 of them for other kinds of trees. No, 36 for apple trees. But apple trees have such great character. I don't know. I love them. And they can grow very, very old. You can have a really beautiful old apple tree. Apple trees also have a wide range of flavors that you can have. If you you start doing apple tastings and really getting the nuances between the different cultivars. So probably my favorite favorites for different reasons, but I think apple trees are really fun to grow. Fantastic. And apples are so amazing for our bodies. Mm. So I love that. So one of the other things that I think is fascinating when we decide to grow some of our own foods is that we have a chance to explore some of the other varieties of foods. So for example, you were just talking about apples. And when I go into the grocery store, it depends on the day. Sometimes there's five different kinds of apples. Sometimes there's more, but there aren't a huge number of them. And then when I look at things like oranges, there's usually navel oranges. I'm in Florida. We get some Valencia oranges. That's it. There's two kinds of oranges. How do you think about diversifying the types of plants that you're growing and the benefits of doing that? I think that's a fantastic question. So here's the thing. When you grow your own fruit tree, I encourage people to carefully choose a cultivar. And I'm telling you that nine times out of 10, you will be, if you follow kind of my guidance, You will not be growing the exact same types of fruits that you can get in the supermarket. You will not. First of all, you can get those in the supermarket. No problem, right? But second of all, the ones in the supermarket are harder to grow because they are grown usually with pesticides and fungicides and they're grown in big, huge farms. But here's the third thing. By choosing one of the many, many, many other cultivars that are out there in the world... I don't know if you realize this, Kirsten, but there are literally probably about 2,000 different apple cultivars in the world. 2,000 today. Call me shocked. Yes, I had no idea. Yeah, there are that many, right? But the supermarket focuses on the ones that look pretty, that are easy to ship, that have a certain type of flavor, and that are easy to grow commercially. So by us choosing to grow some of the less commonly grown cultivars and varieties, We are doing this planet a big favor because we are increasing biodiversity. So that means that if there is a huge flood of disease that comes and it wipes out like those common varieties, because they're all the same, they are absolute clones of each other. You know, like every Macintosh apple has the same DNA. Every Honeycrisp apple has the same DNA. So if a disease comes and wipes out all those common ones, what do we have left? 
right? By choosing a less commonly planted tree and one of the amazing selection of whether it's apple trees that are available. Some of them are historic cultivars that have been grown for hundreds of years. Some of them are newer cultivars. By us having a more biodiverse approach to growing, we are actually building a more sustainable food system that's going to be more resilient to all the challenges we're facing in the world right now, whether it's climate change, whether it's whatever it is. Some fruit trees might be more resilient in droughts and others better in floods, like the more different types of varieties that we plant, the more secure we are as a planet in feeding ourselves. So that's why I encourage people. Yeah. Amen. I really encourage people to diversify. I think that's wonderful. And one of the things I've learned about food is even the different cultivars can have slightly different nutritional benefits too. And it would be on a micro level, but you may find just the thing that's just perfect for what your body needs right now as well. I did a radio show, uh, one of my podcasts. I interviewed a woman who is trying to bring back ancient types of peaches that were grown by the First Nations communities. Oh, wonderful. And these peaches, you must listen to this podcast as she talks about it. They were perfect for the people at that time, whether it was that they could be preserved and there's still the nutritional benefits that they have to offer are so powerful, whether it was for the local community then, or for all of us. Now, these trees could grow in deserts with very little water. So she is trying to save and preserve that DNA so that we can reintroduce it eventually everywhere. But most importantly, the very few trees left she's trying to protect. So every tree has something to offer, just like every single human has something to offer to make this world a better place. Absolutely. And I will absolutely put a link in the show notes to that. One of the things Anthony William has talked about is with so many people moving away from eating fruit, And you see it in the grocery stores if you don't notice it anywhere else. That produce section of the grocery store keeps shrinking and there's fewer and fewer types of fruit and just less space for them too. We're losing the land where the fruit trees grow. It's getting used for other things. They're they're developing houses on it, things like that. And so I applaud this woman for trying to hold on to some of that and you know, Anthony has encouraged all of us to grow our own fruit trees, to make sure that we have what we need going forward, which is why I'm so thrilled to have you on here to talk about this, because this audience knows how important that is. And we know how critical fruit is for sustaining our lives. And I will say we are probably one of the communities on this planet who eats more fruit than almost anybody else. So this has been so important. Well, I really appreciate you having me here and I really appreciate this message. And I think you're right. The buck stops here. It's up to us to find ways to plant fruit trees in our local parks, um, in our gardens, but we only will do it if we are going to take care of those trees. It is not a good deed to plant a fruit tree and neglect it. That's actually endangers other fruit trees, other communities that grow fruit, because if you neglect your tree and it's got pests and disease and you don't really care, then those pests and diseases will grow to your neighbor's tree and they make make their way to local orchards and stuff like that. So planting a fruit tree is an awesome and powerful thing to do. And that small commitment to care for the tree knowledgeable is a huge thing. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. Susan, if people want to learn more or they want to find your book, where can they find you? So they can find my website, which is orchardpeople.com. So on orchardpeople.com, they will be able to listen to my podcast. They will read articles about fruit tree care. I also do educational courses, online workshops, and how to care for fruit trees. You can find that there. Now, as we mentioned my book a few times, so I am launching this new book, Grow Fruit Trees Fast, 
A Beginner's Guide to a Healthy Harvest in Record Time. And that is going to be going live on Amazon.com on April the 6th. And I have a special promotion from April the 6th to April the 10th, where the book, you can download the Kindle or ebook version for free for four days. Fantastic. So that way you download the book, you can read it on your, if you have a Kindle or on your iPhone or on your iPad, one hour, give me one hour of your time and then decide whether you want to plant a fruit tree. I hope you'll be charged up and ready to go after that one hour. I think they will be. I read your book and I am completely charged up and I don't even have anywhere to put one, (laughs) but someday I will. You will someday for sure. I know it. And this episode is actually going to come out on April 6th. So the book is going to be available today. So you can go find this on Amazon, or I assume it's at all the other booksellers as well. It's, I will have to figure that out, but it's for sure going to be on amazon.com and they can look up Grow Fruit Trees Fast or Susan Poisner, grab the free copy. And if you do, I'd love it if you'd leave a review. That would be wonderful. I want to hear if you like it. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Susan. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad I was here. This was fun. This was wonderful. I hope you found this episode as helpful as I did. If you're listening to this in the first few days after it was released in early April of 2020, don't forget to go on Amazon to claim your free e-copy of Susan's book, Grow Fruit Trees Fast, A Beginner's Guide to a Healthy Harvest in Record Time. I will include the link to this in the show notes, along with the links to the studies that Susan mentioned, as well as the medical medium podcasts on fruit fear and the fruit picking meditation. If you've been enjoying the Quest for Healing podcast, please do me a favor and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. In the next episode, my guest is Casey Scott. He's had an absolutely amazing health journey where he dealt with severe anxiety during high school, which bloomed into a deep depression and extreme fatigue by the time he was in his mid-20s, landing him on Mattress Island during what should have been such a wonderful time in his life. You may be familiar with his story if you follow him on Instagram at Casey.Scott, but tune in next week because he talks about a critical aspect of his health journey that he has never spoken about before publicly. Thank you for joining me today on the Quest for Healing podcast. These discussions are not intended to provide medical advice, but rather to give you examples of methods and modalities that you may find interesting, informative, or helpful. Please work with your doctor as you undertake your own health journey. Hey, it's Kirsten. Before I started out on my health journey, I didn't know how poisonous many of the cleaners I used in my home were. Then when I started trying to clean the toxins out of my body, I started to question if the cleaners I was using were just adding back more. And how does that make sense when we're using toxic chemicals to get things clean? So imagine how excited I was when I found non-toxic, fragrance-free, essential oil-free Branch Basics cleaners. Now I use them for many things around my house, including scrubbing my kitchen and bathroom, cleaning my juicer, and as the laundry detergent for cleaning my clothes. Plus, it's also the soap that I use to wash my fruit because it's also sodium laurel sulfate-free. So check out branchbasics.com. Their starter kits make it so easy to get started and you can use my code carefullyhealing, which is all one word, for 15% off your purchase. And because I always want to be upfront with you, this is an affiliate link, so I will earn a small commission if you buy using my code. But I only recommend this product because I love it and use it myself. So if you're ready to start cleaning your home with a healthier cleaner, go to branchbasics.com.